0: Welcome, leaders. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. This podcast is brought to you by Leadership Excursion Company. When working with small and medium sized business owners, one of the biggest challenges that these business owners face is hiring and maintaining a high functioning team. The ideal team member is someone who exemplifies leadership, communicates effectively, and is a person who is Accountable for their own actions. If you're a business owner or someone who has direct reports and you're experiencing the same types of challenges, the good news is that these traits can be learned. To learn about how Leadership Excursion Company can help improve the way your team works together, visit leadershipexcursion.co and sign up for a free consultation to discuss the needs of your team. So the two year mark is fast approaching for the Leadership Looks Like podcast, and I can hardly believe how fast this time has gone by. And you know, today's guest played an instrumental role in getting our platform off the ground in the digital space. Sean Cannell is a full-time YouTuber who not only helped me with tips and tech reviews when I was launching my brands, but continues to lead in the online video space right here in Las Vegas. Life as a YouTuber is certainly intriguing, and today, we pull back the curtain and discuss what it's like to run an online business. And with that, we welcome you to the Leadership Looks Like podcast. Join us as we explore personal stories of leaders who are making an incredible impact in their businesses, lives, and communities. Get ready to be inspired, see things from a new perspective, and learn new tools to help overcome challenges. This is what leadership looks like. Sean, welcome to the podcast.
1: So excited to be here in Las Vegas in person sitting across from you.
0: I know. This is fantastic. So I told you this before we started recording. I started my business a little over three years ago. And the first thing I did is I started recording weekly leadership tips. And I really just took my phone out and started recording. And then, of course, I start looking at YouTube. And I really had no idea what I was doing. And you were one of the first people I found on YouTube. This is what you do for a living. And so I am thrilled to be sitting across from you to just be able to say thank you for all of the information and help that you provided to me and have since then, um, just to get my content up and running and, and uh, equipment reviews and, and you're, you're all over the place. So I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate you. I'm happy to help. And uh, it's awesome to be able to see the impact of what can happen when you actually share your message online and add value online.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think when I first, so Think Media is the name of your channel, the one one that I'm familiar with. I think you have a couple.
1: Yep. Think Media is the main one. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I think when I started following you, you might've been around 10 to 12,000.
1: That's even better. Now I'm more pumped because you're like, you've been here. So like you've seen the climb.
0: Yeah. Now I looked right before you arrived today and you're almost at 800,000 subscribers on that channel. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty awesome.
1: It's nuts. It's surreal. I'm a small town kid. Um, you know, grew up on kind of like a farm in Arlington, Washington, no connections in the media industry or anybody in Hollywood or actors or anything like that. So to think about now running, not just, as you mentioned, 800,000 subscribers, but running a seven figure media company, basically based out of Las Vegas every single day, I feel weird. Like that's just crazy. Like, uh, and, and it's been a journey for sure.
0: Yeah. What made you decide to pursue a career in YouTube? Of all, is that what you chose to do right away?
1: Well, I mean, it was definitely not that clear. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's especially with something like YouTube and social media, that's so new, it would have been hard back when I was 21 to even, because when I was 21, YouTube didn't exist. So actually my story was, I got involved in video in my local church and I just started volunteering and the youth pastor handed me a video camera and some software, Adobe Premiere Pro, which is what myself and my team use today to this day. It was like version 100 ago, you know, like. Yeah. um, And so I started making videos, and they were terrible. And this is 2003. Your first videos, I encourage people, will be your worst videos. Like, when you first start creating content, you're awkward, and that just is the way it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was privileged because YouTube didn't start for two more years. I was putting out weekly video announcements that played at youth group Wednesday night at a certain time every single week, 52 weeks. So that was teaching me leadership skills like discipline, like follow through deadlines. And it was leveling up my content creation muscle because of the repetition. Then the lead pastor of that church was like, okay, the videos aren't too bad after about a year, do these on Sundays as well. So as a volunteer, I'm doing over 104 videos a year. And one plays Sunday, one plays Wednesday, and YouTube had it started. So in 2007, my church decided to start a YouTube channel. It wasn't even my idea. It was their idea, which was crazy because we're talking about a small town. Churches are not very progressive when it comes to technology. So this, right, was, right. this was a very blessed environment to be in because the lead pastor was, hey, this Twitter thing's happening. Let's experiment with YouTube. So I was just lucky to be immersed super early started a business in 2009, helping people with video because I'd already learned a lot as well as social media and online. And then fast forward to today, I've now been in this thing over 15 years creating video content using cameras and lighting and now social media. And there's been so many different paths that have gone in different directions, but all of those different ingredients are how we ended up here. It would have been pretty hard to architect saying that, it's been very intentional along the way. I have mm-hmm. noticed trends, noticed opportunities, and made strategic decisions to um, lead us to where we are today.
0: Yeah, and that's so true. Um, first of all, you know, about creating your first videos, what a gift that was to be able to do that, you know, in an environment where it was okay if they were crappy. Yep. <laughs> you know, everybody, it's about the message, right? Yep. It's about what you have to say. And so don't be afraid to just start recording. Get out the recorder. Break out your phone and just start talking about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Yes. What's important to you.
1: Absolutely. You got to punch fear in the face, punch perfectionism in the face and press record. And it's just like anything else. Like going to the gym when you're out of shape and you haven't been is awful. Like if you walk in, you're dressed in the wrong clothes. You don't know how to use the machines. You feel like everybody's judging you. It's awkward. But if you keep showing up and you keep doing bicep curls, then you eventually get biceps. And so literally I encourage people, this social media, online video thing is so real and such a big deal for entrepreneurs, leaders, nonprofits, business owners Yes, there will be some intimidation and some things you got to learn, but you got to press through those things because I believe these skills are critical for the era we're living in.
0: Yeah, it really is. And it's about finding and being comfortable with risk because what is really neat about these platforms is you can try new things all day long and it'll tell you right away whether or not it's going to work. And it's just a business or it's a lesson in business. It's a lesson in life. You know, and that's why I really take into it is because you do, you get that feedback um, and you have to push through. You spend hours sometimes on content and you can decide, you know what, I'm not going to put this out or I'm going to just do it. And, um, you know, not everything's perfect, but you just got to put it out there anyways.
1: I love that. You know, no risk no reward. Mm -hmm. And great things happen outside of your comfort zone. And I've been outside of my comfort zone a lot in the past 15 years.
0: Yeah. What made you decide to stick with YouTube? Um, You know, you mentioned working at the church. There's so many different social media channels out there.
1: Yeah. um, I think there was two things. One, I had clocked the time. So once I just started getting momentum there, I realized I had deeper knowledge in that area than others. Two, I've done the research, and I actually am a huge proponent of YouTube being superior for driving results than other social platforms. Now, they're all great, and I operate on all of them, but there's a distinct reason why YouTube's unique, and it's because it's the second largest search engine in the world. Mm -hmm. And so one of the premises which I built my brand on was early on, if people are curious about the business model, as a video creator, back in 2003 I learned video. By 2010 when I started a business, I took out a loan for $10,000 to buy all the equipment to get my business started so I could shoot wedding videos, videos for small businesses, a computer to build websites and edit the videos. And all of those things and but what I learned about was YouTube and something called affiliate marketing, which is a way to recommend a product you use could be anything, doesn't have to be technology related, anything on say amazon.com. And if someone clicks the link, your referral link, when you recommend like a camera and they purchase it, you get a percentage of that commission. So when I learned what affiliate marketing was and I realized I had a skill and I realized I was also sitting on basically products to talk about and review and do tutorials about, then I started to dabble in YouTube to say, hey, what I could, I might as well just do that on the side, make a little extra income or see if I can help some people. And I was basically scratching my own itch, you know. As I was growing up and as I invested that $10,000 that I took a loan out for, I wasted a lot of that money. I just bought, you know, Amazon starts recommending things. So I'm like, I probably need this backpack and I probably need this strap and I probably need this and that because I don't have any gu- anyone to guide me. So I just started to basically take the, my life experience, what I had learned and help others to save them time, money, help them decide between this product and that product And videos that ranked for me were things like best camera for YouTube or best lighting for YouTube. And so you can imagine if someone types in that in search, they're like, okay, what's the best camera for YouTube? And they find my video, they watch it and they get value. And then they potentially click that link and make a purchase. Then a few dollars comes in because it's four to 10% commission. But if you do that at scale, then it's how you pay the bills. And so originally I was able to build a five, high five and six figure income just off the Amazon Associates program, an affiliate program, talking about tech. Reviewing it on YouTube and linking to those products.
0: Yeah. And that's pretty incredible. I mean, you don't have to go to a job interview. You just, I mean, you, you just have to sign up for the affiliate program. Correct. Through Amazon and just start your YouTube channel and post videos. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's pretty easy. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: And I actually, to help people understand, sometimes I like to say I'm like a Best Buy employee, whereas they, though, drive to Best Buy, get paid hourly, they don't get paid commission, and they help people find the right camera avoid the wrong one figure out what their needs are i took that online nobody pays me to show up to work but i get paid on performance of of that content i only make commission basically is what we're talking about mm-hmm. and and once i figured out the nuances of youtube so that answers your question why youtube i figured out that you know instagram is not a search engine facebook's not a search engine YouTube, uh, twitter isn't that it, there was a way to create leverage, and I was very interested in creating time freedom, location freedom, and and not actually. My dream is not to just like figure out how to get on a private island and not work. I think work's a blessing. I want to make an impact in the lives of people. I want to build my company. I want you know. So, but I do want to always buy time because. If you're, if you're, if anything, if you're trading your time for money, then all the day-to-day operational stuff doesn't let you write a book or create a new thing or start a new business or start another project. So I'm highly interested in leverage Mm -hmm. and ranking. When you make a ranked YouTube video, it's like an employee that you pay one time that then works for you for free for weeks, months, and years to come.
0: Yeah. Cause you're making money on videos that you posted five years ago
1: yes in multiple whatever. ways now too because that's just one way of monetizing. monetizing but now those can still get youtube ads they can still lead to affiliate marketing they can just build my brand in generally so i could do brand deals and sponsorships and i work with canon and amazon and other official brands but then now we also sell our own education and our own products mm-hmm. which is important especially too because affiliate marketing is a good way to start but it's a it's a bad business model long term because again you're at 4 to 10% whereas when you create your own ip intellectual property when you create your own products now you can start keeping 90% plus of the revenue
0: yeah and this conversation is incredible because i hope that listeners are realizing you're a you're a business person so you are posting information that for some people, it seems like it's just free information. You know, why would I do that? But listen to what Sean's saying here. He has to plan ahead, he has to buy all the equipment. You know, when you started, you had a job. Yep. You were filming weddings, mm-hmm. right? And doing all the editing for and that. And I'll
1: add, I was also working at Red Robin. I worked at Red Robin, which is mm. a burger joint here in the United States typically for 10 years, 17 to 27. I'm thirty five now. And, uh, and I did that because even when I was bootstrapping my small business, I was like, well, I'll pick up shifts on the weekend to make a little extra money, depending on how much business is flowing in.
0: Right. Right. Just
1: hustling just to, you know, speak through. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How much time did it take for you to, um, on YouTube to be able to say, you know what, I can stop working at Red Robin or I can stop filming weddings and doing that type of work to really go full time.
1: Well, there was a big thing for me. Like in hindsight's 2020, I probably, I, not probably, I for sure could have went full-time sooner, but there was a couple of things holding me back. One was lack of confidence. I mean, one was self-doubt. My background during that early era or even 2010 was I was doing video production for others and I started working for some YouTubers. So I was doing some video production for them, helping them with ranking, which another, the term for it is SEO, search engine optimization. It's actually video SEO Video search engine optimization, helping them with titles and tags and positioning their videos and some strategy. I believed for other people more than I could believe for myself and I had even had some experience on on being on camera at the church, et cetera, but to really be the guy and to do my own YouTube channel, I hedged a lot it was i was I was intimidated and in, in hindsight's twenty twenty. I look back I'm like, well who was it I mean the thing was pretty early, but that that caused me to hesitate the other thing kind of connects to that was this, this me telling myself, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready, but something I'm very glad that I did did. And it was, I wanted to be very intentional about truly becoming the person, the leader I needed to be for, I knew eventually I wanted to be on YouTube as kind of a thought leader and sharing information about this, but I wanted to level up in the process. And a friend of mine, Ken Coleman is coming out with a new book called the proximity principle. It's a critical principle for leadership And it's about the fact that you need to get around the right people, you should get in the right places, because it levels you up. And so that happened to me, for example, first at the church, I just started interning and got forced into pressure situations that caused me to hit deadlines for content, to manage other people, to try to get leaders, volunteers, by the way. Hey, can you come shoot church news with us? Oh, I got this. I need you to come, like people, skills, publishing content. Plus I was doing the social and the website, so that environment But then from there, it actually led me – I eventually moved to Vegas. That's what brought me to work in another church. It was a mega church out here. I was the marketing director. And one of the reasons I wanted to work there, again, I was never that interested in salary. In fact, it barely – it was like, can it pay my bills? Fine. It's not even actually one of the points. I was interested in – why be in an environment that will cause me to grow? The lead pastor of that church is an author. He speaks around the world. I wanted to grow as a communicator. And I thought, man, if I'm in this environment, I understood the proximity principle, it will level me up. Simultaneously, I pitched a guy to be a freelance videographer and help him with social media, um, who is also an author and a speaker doing similar things. So I, I looked ahead and I said, who are, who's doing things that I want to do in my future? Maybe not even exactly, but what are the skill sets that I need? I want immersion in the right around the right people and the right places. So I was actually freelancing and working on other, on their Facebook pages, their book launches, their different things. All that to say is that I probably could have done that for myself sooner, but I'm just so glad the path I took, I was like, I'm not ready, really ready to come out yet. I want to just be like skilling up, leveling up testing on their stuff. And because I would work, his name was Dr. Dave Martin. I was freelancing for him. I ran, he's, he sold books. I ran his Facebook page. He would run an event that was a leadership event. It was called like the Ultimate Life Seminar. And he would have these leadership speakers come in. And that is what my heart craves because I love leadership. So I was like, I couldn't afford to go to these things in this era. But once I got my foot in the door working for him, then I was in the room, I'm filming, I'm asking him questions. I'm hearing them in their car as we're driving back to the airport, talk about the shortfall of the event and how much more they had to make and all this kind of stuff. And now we throw events today, but all of my season, it was very intentional of me wanting to say, I want to be around the right people and in the right places related to my future vision for my life and career.
0: Yeah. And that's such a great way to get yourself where you want to go. It's going to take a lot of hard work and dedication, but yes, surround yourself with people who are going to push you and teach you. And, and, uh, that's such a, such a great takeaway right there. So when you first started your channel, it was just you. Yep. And um, you know, we all know that I've been watching for a while now. And now you are you have other people hosting mm-hmm. some of the shows. You're going out to events like NAB, which is awesome because they're right here in Las Vegas. Yes. And um how did you how did you get from the person who wasn't sure about yourself? You know, you put yourself in a situation to learn and how did you get yourself into a place where you're comfortable to say, you know what, I'm going to go for this to now like really running a media company?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's a few things and and some of them will be repetition, but I'll list them out. I mean, I think number one is you got to have a vision. And I mean, and that's true for leadership. Like you really have, a you have to have a vision of where you want to go. And you can't go everywhere at once. In fact, you can't go even two direction at once. If you try and chase two rabbits, you'll end up catching neither. So this kind of goes back to me having a vision. It, it wasn't even that I knew what I was gonna do in my career, where the money would come from, but I knew that it incre- included a few ingredients. Communication, speaking, that as social media started coming out, that I saw video is like the way to, tra- I mean, right now we're we're transmuting through audio. Video is just a, a step above that. It's both. It's audio and video, right? I just saw that it was the future, so I was like, I'm doing something in this industry, so I just need total immersion in this industry. So having a vision and knowing what you wanted to grow, knowing also too, that having a vision for your future, that someday I'll need to lead others, so I will need to grow in skills. So throughout you know, leadership development, personal development has been a bedrock of my life since right around when I got involved in that church prior to that, I was crazy and, and just and didn't have vision and didn't have a vision for my life. But, but once I did, then I was like, well, I'm going to need the tools and skill sets. And I started to learn about the, of course, the power of just reading books and consuming mm-hmm. content. So, so that was a, a lot of it. So number one, it was having a vision. Number two, I then think it was the proximity principle because it, it was so much. And then let me go. Number three, repetition. Like you got to, really embrace not being good because that's the truth for everybody. It's kind of an old cliche, but they talk about Michael Jordan getting, not making his high school basketball team. And yet he became became, become a great player later. So there could be those seasons in your life where you're like, I don't have what it takes. I didn't make the team. I didn't get the job. But if you don't quit and you keep leveling up now, you can't be delusional. But what he knew is he's like, well, they don't, I got to work harder. I know this is in me. I'm going to keep working harder. And that was my, Commitment was like I know this is in me. I got to keep working harder. I play my first video on my Sean Cannell channel. It's hilarious. It's terrible, but it was just like I'm just gonna keep going. I I just know if I work harder for longer and put out a lot of videos, eventually some will be uh, better. And and a lot of people go, "Wow, you're confident on camera today." I've put over out over two thousand videos online. Mm Sixteen hundred of those are probably are not that great. You know what I mean? But like now, people are seeing like me after all of this work. And all of this repetition. And so those are the things. I wanted to be in the right spot, continuously leveling up my skills and and trying to put out volume. I mean, I have actually six YouTube channels, four never went anywhere. So I heard a stat, I wish I had the exact source, but there was was somebody that did some research that found that the average successful entrepreneur succeeds on like their 2.6th business. Meaning by the time whatever business clicks and becomes profitable, they've had two or three that have failed. Mm -hmm. So we're talking now, again, I'm on camera now, I'm on stage now. I was on stage in front of 16 youth group kids an hour north of Seattle, Washington in a small rural town that is predominantly blue collar every week doing – announcements as well as shooting videos in 2003 it's 2019 i haven't slowed down for a second since then in building my skills most people what i think it comes down to overestimate what they can accomplish in one year but underestimate what they can accomplish in 10 intentional practice getting in the right room leveling so but it starts with a vision because you got to know that thing that you want to do mm-hmm. because when you know what direction you want to go then it's like the universe organizes itself around you. Now you know what books to read. Now you know what conferences attend. Now you know what YouTube channels to watch. Now you know what podcasts to listen to. When you say leadership is going to be a critical skill for my life, then Everything changes. You go, okay, well, I better start learning leadership. And for me, I started reading John Maxwell early on, all the books, Developing the Leader Within, The Laws of Teamwork, The 21 Laws of Leadership, Leader Shift, his newest one. I bought communication CDs off of eBay, started listening to them. I went to whatever leadership conferences I could ever attend and still do to to this day. I watched YouTubers and listened to podcasts. So I think total immersion into whatever it is you're pursuing mastery in.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Now, for you, we talk about business, um, and you gave such a great overview. Now, let's talk about your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And you can think of all of the channels that are out there as, as a portfolio. Now, do you feel like you've put all of your eggs in one basket by just going after YouTube? You know, what happens if YouTube goes away? tomorrow or if their algorithms change or they no longer you know, accept affiliate links or who knows what they could do, right? Yep. How do you handle and plan ahead for that?
1: So number one, we have two projects that are significant. One's called Video Influencers. That's a side project for me that has a co-founder, Benji Travis. And my answer to that question is it's called Video Influencers for that reason. It's not called YouTube Influencers. And number one, I suppose if Kind of going out of left field here, but if some t- type of apocalyptic event happens and we get blasted with EMPs from somewhere and the internet gets destroyed, well, then yeah, my eggs are a little in one basket of being an online influencer or whatever. <laughs>
0: Good thing you've read all those John Maxwell books.
1: Exactly. But, uh, but my shoot, if that happens, we all got problems. Like if, and so video is here to stay there's no question about that so if it's if it if it's not youtube as the dominant player and we're already diversified in fact we have a monthly membership program it's called inner circle where we teach online business social media and online marketing period so it's important to say that we're not building our brand in youtube i'm the author of youtube secrets that book would become co-author with benji but that would become irrelevant if youtube died but for the time being. So we're we're definitely on that wave right now. YouTube is incredibly healthy. That's what's great about it. And owned by Google, I think it's going to be a major player, but you're right. I mean, stuff changes so much in this world. That's thing one. I think thing two is uh, diversity. I mean, this is biblical, but if you look at Joseph, there's the famous Prince of Egypt, right? Come on, anybody listening, just a Disney cartoon. Uh, you have seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine. If you're a leader, you got to be thinking ahead. You got to mm-hmm. be thinking about the famine all the time. And so right now we've been in prosperity here in America and especially even social media. I recognize there's a level of it's a boom. There's a level of everyone's, you know, it's new to it right now. It The boom of it won't last forever. There, everything will evolve. So I am very intentional to run our company and our finances in such a way as to not think that life will always be exactly how it is for us right now. Considering that we are in a massively good season for our business, so we could just be, you know, blowing money or throwing parties or over-inflating our staff. One of the biggest teams for uh, terms for us is elasticity. You know, we all work from home. We have a business that can stretch up like a rubber band with contractors and have a lot of extra help, but it can also shrink down and have extreme – our overhead is shockingly low. Mm-hmm. And that's what's cool about this business business model too is that – it's very low risk business model. It might also come with a lot of future risk because things could change and all of a sudden in your business. But if that's another thing as well, and then I think that last thing is is we're not just diversifying or we're not just saving for a rainy day, planning for the seven years of famine, but also um, we are diversifying our expertise. And so, like in the sense of YouTube is the tip of the iceberg. Here, here's a powerful principle. You need to become known for one thing in today's world to stand out and get noticed. It's just a fact. Like if you look at anybody, like a Dave Ramsey uh, is known as the guy that will get you out of debt. 25 years in the industry, famous radio show. Some people love him. Some people hate him. doesn't matter. He's crushing it. He's definitely a very influential character. So he got known for one thing. Now he's got the Entree Leadership Podcast. Now he's got a whole empire with people talking about other things. He could talk about marriage. He could sell out a marriage cruise right now, but he's not the marriage guy, but because he built his influence in one thing. So having an expertise, being the YouTube guy, I learned this lesson back, actually I wrote a book years ago called YouTube for Churches, and I was terrified to write it because number one, I was a director of communications at a church, one of the only churches using YouTube because people were kind of afraid of it. It was kind of new and whatever. And I thought, number one, YouTube's already so narrow because it's only one of the social media platforms. Tack on churches to that. And did I just, there's no, mar- there must be no market. That's too, na- I, I, I do all the email marketing, all the Facebook and all this stuff. But what I learned was that you got to start small to get big and mm-hmm. you start to really make sense in the world when you have a very specific expertise. But then what happens is turns out, I'm, I'm talking to you on a leadership podcast. I'm the YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Absolutely. but like it then expanded my world to where people were like, "Well, what? How does this integrate with all the other platforms? Well, how does this integrate into your overall strategy? Well, how do you actually make money? Well, how do you act? How do you do the taxes of it all? So, if that makes sense, we are building an email list. We're building social media following on multiple platforms. We are well diversified and well ready to pivot should that day come. And so, I'm glad you asked the question because, like, this is the kind of stuff I think about as like the principal leader. All the time, and I don't even think it'll be a problem. But I dang well should be thinking about it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, and I'm always trying to think one, two, three, four, ten years ahead.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, you bring up such a good point about um, being so specific with your message. And this is a an important lesson for any business owner. And to your point, just because I say I do one thing, for instance, I have my women's retreat, Spark Women's Retreat. I it doesn't mean that men don't ask me about my services. Sure. You know, it doesn't mean that businesses don't ask me about my services, but people know what I do. And that makes, you know, when you're out networking or, or when you're talking about what you do, it makes it so easy and tangible.
1: If you want to stand out in today's world, you need to be a meaningful, specific, not a wandering generality. Zig Ziglar.
0: Good one. So what does a typical day look like for you?
1: So a typical day, this is a typical day. Well, me, us together is unique, but, uh, I would wake up, uh, in Las Vegas. Um, my commute consists of a little jaunt down the, um, steps to my kitchen to make an espresso, some green juice, um, as well. And, and then we will do meetings. Our whole team, um, is based in Vegas besides one ca- contractor in California, but we meet on zoom we can get together. We have one in office day a week, Tuesday, they come into the office. Um, and the typical week looks pretty boring. And isn't that just the truth of what it really takes for the sausage to get made? Because in what we do, the videos we post publicly and the events we attend are pretty sensational. Like, oh, cool. Like, wow. But the typical week is, is meetings is preparate, preparing content for the next video preparing a live stream or a webinar is building a course or fixing a course it's doing customer service you know this is describing roles of multiple you know multiple people on our team now but customer service and and the things we've committed to delivery of of products and services and all of those types of things but then the other piece of it is that we truly are lifestyle entrepreneurs so we can work on the road recently uh, a work trip looked like driving from here to to Tahoe and staying in Lone Pine and and uh, Mammoth Lakes and just kind of creating content and taking some time to to enjoy life uh, while working uh, with my wife and I and and this business affords us to do that because um, we can work from anywhere and then quite a few events I'll, I'll speak at events or workshops um, and we even will throw our own we threw our first big event last year we have another one coming up this September so we're always working on those types of things. Um, and so it's, it's very unique. And, that, and then, the, then the main thing is we shoot videos and we create content. And so mm-hmm. we shoot those at home or we shoot them um, on the road or, or just all types of different places. And so, yeah, content creation, planning, strategy, leadership development, I mean, team meetings. And, and that's, that's what I'm moving into now. It is an interesting pivot from being the solopreneur, from kind of being the e-myth, tactician, or technician trying to move into being a ceo and while simultaneously realizing that the business model is still kind of a sean cannell personal brand thing that's one reason why i'm steering away from that because i'm trying to see down the road with uh, ideas like the book built to sell Mm -hmm. most personal brands are not even close to being built to sell and even if that takes us 10 years to execute i'm really glad i'm steering the ship that way this right now so um Those types of things, thinking about leaders, thinking about team, thinking about a lot, man, this, this entrepreneurship thing is, yeah, I mean, there's, we, this, today we already met with our content team. By the way, we're super small. I mean, we're talking about like about, about five of us here in Vegas. That's about 10 with part-time and we have an agency. We met with our agency today. They do our digital advertising right now and uh, we're doing Facebook and, and GDN and YouTube. And so met with them today, released a video this morning, premiered that. So that's kind of the day to day.
0: Yeah. And then when you're in these meetings with, with your team, you're on zoom, yes, right? Do you have some sort of, um, a structure in place? So when you get on the call, you all know what you're going to talk about and, and plan out for the week.
1: Yeah, we, we label the meetings. So we have, we'll have, um, a meeting that's about brainstorming and getting clear on a next product launch we're doing, or it'll be content, which would mean the free content that's going out or whatever. But you know. As you study meetings, don't let them take too long, or do them standing, or don't waste time in meetings. We're probably guilty of all of the above. I mm-hmm. mean, sometimes we're better, sometimes we're worse. I uh, I get distracted. You know, it could be easy, maybe listening to a podcast like this, and 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 it, what could be coming across is like we have it all figured out. Not even close, man. Like it's it's tough. I mean, like yeah, sometimes meetings go long, or I I question if we even should have a meeting. Um and, and remote work and et cetera. But yeah, we're figuring it out and mm-hmm. and teamwork makes the dream work for sure. So um one of the things I really tried to acknowledge, recognize was Heather Torres is our operations officer now. And she basically we're my wife and I are kind of one team. And then with Heather and her Isaiah, her husband, but Heather, is sort of like we're running the business together. And what I started to see too, self-awareness of, well, if I'm the creator and I still need to lock myself in a room and come up with new video ideas and be that person, I need someone to run things. So the way I structured it was, if one person can effectively manage about seven people, debated and all kinds of people, sell all kinds of different stuff, but whatever. Uh, if, if one person can manage seven people, then Heather, we now have Omar and Kyle and Melissa and Jordan and the agency, just that alone, this business has already got complex enough for you to kind of run that, I'm gonna run it with you, but I need to be freed up to network, think about the next thing, pioneer, drive revenue. And um that's kind of what we've been working and how we've been working towards it. And I'm I'm learning to empower more and delegate more to say, look, there's a reason why if if things are chaotic communication wise under my leadership, then it shows that I probably that's not my strength. Mm-hmm. So I'm identifying the areas. So now you've got it's trickling down. Because she's a brilliant leader, has brings all kinds of skill sets that I don't have, and even Mel and Jordan today were working on like systems and processes, and that was a block for me a while ago when, as a solopreneur, I knew the power of systems. I thought I need to learn and become great at systems, which I still believe, so I need to level up a little however the 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 better fix is putting that person that's graced at it, that's skilled at it, and like empowering them to do it and that's kind of what we're moving into now. Um, So I've been having to learn to let go of a lot. And in this season, I've been thinking a lot about, I'm constantly thinking about where am I blocking this business from a leadership standpoint, as far as a takeaway principle, this, this Jocko Willick extreme ownership, just Mm -hmm. responsibility. I, everything's my fault. Mm -hmm. If anything in the business is going wrong, it's my fault. If it's, if Heather did it, it's still my fault because I empowered her. If Kyle messed up, it's still my fault because I hired him and and have it maybe give him the clarity. So that's a helpful framework for me. So I'm then also trying to be very intentional, though, to say, where are things getting bottlenecked because of me? Or how should we even restructure this so that I am not slowing us down or, or um, hurting our business in any way?
0: Yeah. Are you taking time out on purpose to evaluate that? Cause it's tough when you're a solopreneur and you're making that shift, you're making your first hires, your team is growing. It is tough to give stuff away. Mm-hmm. And especially in your position, I mean, you're, you're the brand. Mm-hmm. And so when you hand that stuff away, it's more than just, you know, you're, you're handing a piece of yourself
1: 100%. Over, you know? Handing over editing a while ago was crazy. I bet. Yeah. And I thought, and here's probably the breakthrough for me was when it finally happened. First of all, it everything went a lot slower than I thought it would. And that was probably just more realistic. See, I thought I was like, I need to learn systems and delegation in the next month. What it learned for me was that it took a couple of years, but intentionally steering that direction. Secondly, when I think about like giving up editing, what I thought when I first started having, I had a summer intern a while back named Jay. He started putting out some videos. I thought, man, I'm going to look at the Think Media comments on YouTube. When this video goes live. And I'm I'm just going to get torn to shreds. People are going to say, oh my gosh, he sold out. What's he got another editor now? Wow, what's happening? And I watch and guess how many people mentioned when the first video that I did not edit went live on Think Media? None. Zero. Right. Nobody was Nobody like the editing. And so <laughs> what I learned was that as a solopreneur, we actually do have a lot of pride and we can have a lot of ego that kind of blinds us. Um, the truth is though, you still got to hold a standard for your brand. So it's not like you just let anything go out. Um, but for me, I think we can rush. As a solopreneur, what we think is we think we could do it faster. It's going to You're going to have to slow down to train someone else. And then what we also think is we we dump, we don't delegate. We just say like, go do this and you should know everything I know. As opposed to, I heard it put this way. Hey, actually, you watch me do it. Let's do it together. Step three, I watch you do it. Step four, you do it by yourself. That's time. Now, if you thought about YouTube videos, step one, you watch me create a YouTube video. Just watch. Step two, let's create this YouTube together. You're still just watching. I'm looping you in more. It's still all me. Step three, I'm gonna let you go through the process, watch you do it. And then step four, that takes time and it'll slow you down. And and people listening, but I gotta do this. And you, know, you just gotta be willing to put it. Sometimes you have to slow down to speed up. And- what I what I thought, I overestimated what I could accomplish in one year, but I underestimated what I could accomplish in four. Now, Omar at NAB, we're at a booth. And so for context, for people listening, I do a lot of tech reviews of lighting and microphones, and I have my own style and I've leveled up my skills. And so I've done things on camera together with others. That's also a principle. If you're, and I learned this a lot, you know, a good organization, maybe good and bad at times, but a great organization to be a part of is churches. Strong churches are leadership engines. John Maxwell teaches about how leading a church is, is the hardest level of leadership possible because you don't have money to, uh, you, there's no bonuses, there's mm-hmm. no money in the conversation. You are trying to motivate volunteers mm-hmm. to, to and mobilize them it's the highest, it's very hard. So that that environment, but some of the things I learned was was like platforming other people. If you were going to raise up a pastor to launch a campus of the church, you need to start getting buy-in for that other leader. So I was like, oh, what I'll do on my YouTube channel, I'm not just gonna throw someone else on. They're gonna be on with me for weeks and months. And they're gonna be with me to see what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. So all that today is to say is fast forward to Omar being at the event, we found a microphone. I was kind of just tired at the time, and I said, "Hey, you just take this one solo." But what I didn't do, and what I normally would have done, I wasn't even involved. I didn't coach to see if he missed anything of our video framework, or the call to action at the end, or the checklist of stuff we do. And we got home, and then fi- and he put the whole thing out. And for the first time, because there's been him and I together on camera but this one that just came out was only him. And there was one comment, someone was like, who are you, probably, that person probably hasn't checked in in months, uh, but but it was a great video, it's performing super well, it was completely done by him solo, and I think it's it's the evidence of a leadership process, mm-hmm. and that process was intentional, it took time, um, it, it had ups, it had downs, but now it's paying off, and I think that's what leaders do.
0: Yeah, yeah. The other great thing that happens in those situations, where you hand things over to someone else, they are gonna bring a new perspective, they're gonna bring a new flavor, and it actually enhances you know, whatever's going on. Now that person has buy-in, mm-hmm. they have a new voice, mm-hmm. and it gives you an opportunity to learn, especially if you're doing you know, the same thing over and over.
1: I agree, and you I'll know. also say that strategically from our perspective, it's also diversity. I mean, so I'm a 35-year-old Caucasian male, Omar is, uh, kind of like a mid or, middle Eastern, uh, 20 late twenties. So he actually brings a little bit more flavor, you know, bring, that's good. I want to be surrounded by people who are going to challenge me bring different perspectives, you know, kind of a younger vibe. And then Heather on the channel now bringing that female vibe and a mm-hmm. lot of brands when you, if you could do that, well, very hard. And that relationship's a whole nother conversation of how it developed organically really. But We're seeing again. Typically, a brand will be, you know, male or female. It makes sense. A personal brand would be, but that the synergy we're seeing together and how that's like connecting with our audience and everything is pretty powerful. So I learned the same thing I learned in church. Like, if you want to build a multicultural church, you need to put multiple different ethnicities on the platform, Mm -hmm. and. A lot of, you could even call it like white privilege or whatever, but we're blind. Well, you're blind to it if you don't think about it. You just don't even think about it. You're like, well, why wouldn't you love to come here? And you're like, well, everyone on stage is old and white. That's going shape to the, shape the culture of your church. Mm-hmm. So smart leaders start saying, we're going to put young people on stage as well. We're going to put different ethnicities on stage as well. That's intentional. And the highest level leaders are thinking about those types of things, for the, reverse engineering it for the culture that you want to create. We want to keep our brand young, uh, not you know. I'm 35. You're young, but I mean, but but young, like so. Starting to already think. I'm so grateful for. We want to keep our brand young. We want to keep it relevant. We want to serve uh, people of you know of different backgrounds. And so, yeah, intentional moves like that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and if you're seeking out diversity. It's so true. You've got to go get it. It's not going to just come to you. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear this so often in business. Well, you know, I worked in tech for 20 years before I started this business and it was, you know, we are just not getting any female applicants. And back to Jocko Willink, it's because of you. It's not because of them. Mm-hmm. It's because you're not seeking out that type of applicant. You're not maybe looking at your work environment and seeing if it's appealing to the type of person that you want to have work there. You know, there's so much that goes into it. 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I'm curious to know about comments in general. Yeah. That's gotta be rough. We all know how ugly that Mm -hmm. could probably get. And how, first of all, do you get pretty bad comments sometimes?
1: So I read all of my comments that I can and pretty close to all of them, even if I don't respond to any of them. That is a very intentional leadership decision. I actually heard he was an old evangelist, passed away named Billy Graham, who said, you know, for some people, they turn them off and they don't read them. And you've got to have self-awareness because you do need to protect your psychology. And while I think you should read them, if it's going to knock you off your game, you being on your game is important, mm-hmm. you know, to winning. So you better be on your game. But what he said was, you know, if you have basically the ca- strength of character to listen to your critics, Never give them too much weight because if anyone's coming to you with a toxic, you know, perspective or whatever, it's it's potentially you know it's always got that vibe. However, it's usually going to probably be some truth to it or some insight about that perception or some whatever. And especially in my niche, it's really easy to be like if you're if you are helping people make money online and stuff, like it's real easy to just get lobbed in like you're a scam artist, you're a this you know those types of things. So. The truth being though that I have tried to say, okay, I'm gonna read these comments and even the ones that hurt, I'm gonna think about what's the truth in them you know, and what could that do to help us shape our our business. And so anyways, I I like to read them all. Um, Saying that, we get a lot of emails. I don't really touch email. I have my whole team touching email. That's just protecting my time. Like we get so much inbound email. It gets categorized. It gets put to different places. And my team will protect me in the sense of, Sometimes people will just unleash. Now, I will actually make sure they pass the information along. They'll just spare me the colorful language and whatever, because I say, "Look, we're listening." There's, we, I want to hear what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. If there's that perception in the world, I want to. But that is brand and reputation management, and mm-hmm. to to ignore that is, is quite foolish. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I like to I like to listen to them. I will say though, it's crazy. I mean. I shouldn't have opened it this last weekend. I'm being really good about working hard during the weeks, trying to really take the weekends off and rest and have that margin. Um, But this last weekend, like midday, I was like, hey, what are the latest comments? And I just remember, I can't remember what it was, but it was just something that was, it is kind of mean and, 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 and it wasn't really valuable. And it got me thinking that comment will stick in your head all day long. And I'm like, shoot, man, I like, I I should just be thinking about like my chihuahuas and like my wife and going on a walk, man. I don't need this. And so, um, I think you got to kind of have the right timing for it. You need to make sure that you have, uh, you know, a soft heart, but thick skin, uh, because when you put yourself out there, it's going to happen. I think you need frameworks, belief systems like, uh, that if, if you never want to be criticized, don't ever do anything. But as soon as you do anything of stepping out there and putting your voice out there, you'll be criticized any leader let's talk about the leaders of our country whether it's president obama or president donald trump at any given time 50% of the population doesn't like just dislike you but like hates you mm-hmm. like like hates you like like prays you'll die you know what i mean like which is insane to think that like humans hate you that much so what does that tell me though it tells me that arguably one of the most powerful positions of leadership on planet earth has one out of two humans that that dislikes you mm-hmm. that that is writing vicious things about you creating videos about you doing doing you know SNL skits to mock you and your family and your daughter and your spouse and your every move and your every word but that tells me that that's what comes with any type of influence and in leadership if you if you take it to any level of significance at all so I think it's a mental preparedness going into this game knowing that that if you want to do something significant, something that's high impact that it'll happen. And then conversely, if you also don't want to go to that level, you can turn comments off, you can filter certain words. I think that's important. Maybe someone always like makes fun of your lips or your hair. So you're like, "You know what? Hair, hair comments are just not happening." And
0: mm-hmm. you can block
1: the word hair. Mm-hmm. So Like there's I think you could be intentional because I it's that's two answers in a way of like I really think you should pay attention, listen, and let it level you up. But two, I really think you should protect your psychology and make sure you can stay on your game and and look, haters are gonna hate, you know, trolls will come and go. And even people bring in some truth. Even when people bring truth, I think, what do like Let's put your life under a microscope. You know what I mean? Like you could always think about people are just, you're mean, you're like, well, I appreciate you pointing that out, but like, I know I'm not perfect. I didn't think this video was perfect. I didn't think i do everything perfectly or say everything perfectly or my hair or whatever. And so anyways, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. I think you kind of just got to go in and accept that it's one of the, it's a tax that comes with the territory.
0: Right, right. And kind of keep things in perspective, right? That one comment out of how many comments do you get in a day? you know,
1: that's haters math. So John Acuff says, you know, one negative comment plus 99 positive comments (laughs) equals one negative comment. Right. It's the only one you think about all your positive book reviews. It's the one book review. That's like, this is the worst book ever. And that's the only one you can think about. And that's a good, that's a good perspective too, because by and large, our content is deeply favored, uh, and, and loved by our community and gets positive feedback. But there is something I sneak that in. There's something about That that negative. I actually, as much as I sometimes it stings and I don't like it, I found a lot of value out of that negative feedback when Mm -hmm. I when I uh, dig and look for those kernels.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we've touched a lot on leadership in this conversation, which is incredible. Um, What is your definition of leadership?
1: I mean, I just steal it right from John Maxwell. uh, Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Um, And for me, though, I think the biggest opportunity in leadership is the first, if someone says I'm not a leader, if they're listening to your podcast, they already identify. But if someone's like I'm not a leader or I wanna become a leader, I believe leadership starts with leading yourself. Mm -hmm. And the opportunities for discovering ways you could lead yourself better are, are numerous. And so when I think about leadership, I think about that one of the biggest ways you could raise up leaders around you Change the people around you, change your job, change your organization, uh, change your income, influence all of these external factors is by starting your leadership journey by focusing inward Mm -hmm. because the, I believe that the best thing we could do for others is living our best life. So what I mean is again, if you want to lead others, but you don't show up on time or you don't get results or you haven't conquered your negative self-talk in your mind, and you haven't conquered uh, mastery of your skill at some level. And you know what I mean? And when you cha- – what's your attitude? What, what energy do you bring into a room? What, uh, how, what organization in your life do you bring? Again, it's this whole – it's physician heal thyself. You know, no, it, it, it seems like an oxymoron to learn how to lose weight from an overweight fitness coach the biggest opportunity in leadership is I think becoming is leading yourself. And so often we look for titles externally, um, but it all starts and that's what really shifted it for me. So that's why Mm -hmm. besides leadership is influence, I think is just really starting and thinking about how we can lead ourselves. When I got disciplined in my fitness and when I got disciplined in my finances and, and taking extreme responsibility for, you know, started making those own shifts when I, I What I thought when I wanted to attract, this is a good one because leadership leadership's about attracting other leaders. When you look at the law of the lid, if leadership is scored on a scale from one to ten, level six leaders will not keep leaders that are at a higher level than them. They might There might be some people underneath you for a while, but they'll never stay there. It will never happen over the long time. You will not keep seven, eights, nines, and tens. So your responsibility becomes – for moving yourself from a level six leader to a level eight leader if you want everything in your life to change. So that was back to extreme responsibility was that's what I was focusing on. I was like, I'm a solopreneur. I can get better, work on my stuff, work on myself, work on my messaging, work on how I treat people, how I lead, whatever, all Mm -hmm. of the above. And it's not it's not like it happens by default but in a way then it's it's the trigger that just causes these default other things to happen for example heather torres is a high level leader and she has now articulated herself or else this would just be i'd be like hey i'm so great but she'd be like she's like if it wasn't for the leader you are i wouldn't stay here and i haven't always been that you know so i had to grow as a leader so i just really believe that that Everyone listening's life could change so much. If they thought, I don't necessarily want to keep this person on my right or my left or hope this person changes and shifts, change yourself. Like if you really level up yourself as a leader, everything you around you will change. A rising tide lifts all ships. Mm-hmm. So raise your leadership, you know, water level and watch the results.
0: Mm-hmm. Where do you find the drive to to be that leader, to be the person not only for yourself, but for the people around you?
1: For me, it's my faith, straight mm-hmm. up. So with having a faith that we were created by a loving God is that I believe that I have God-given potential. And that word potential is the driving force, is to say that I believe God gave me something to steward. And that's, I mean, you look at, That's how the world is set up. If we do believe in God, he created the world, but in what my theology would say, God's never made a chair. He made a tree. Like He created trees. He didn't create chairs. Like The world was created, so we create chairs. Mm -hmm. So all we were given was our skills, our ability, our time, our parents, for better or worse, our environment, our whatever. So we're just given raw material, and then we're just given a few short years on this earth to make something with it. So what drives me, there's many things, but one of them is this drive to live up to my potential. And, and that is so, so lately in the various areas of life, I think about, you know, I want my relationships to be as healthy as possible. I stole John Maxwell. You could tell I'm a pretty big John Maxwell fan, (laughs) you know, success for me is at the end of my life. If the people closest to me love and respect me the most, meaning I'm actually not trying to have my Instagram followers think I'm great at the end of my life. I want to have built a business and made an impact without sacrificing family or my future children. And I want the people closest to me to be like, yeah, he's a good dude and he's got integrity and he didn't sell out in pursuit of money or ambition or whatever. So like a definition of success, that's family, my fitness, my, my faith, my finances, just all the areas of life, Mm -hmm. just trying to live life one day at a time, whatever. But, but, but that, I see like we're running this race. It's called life. And we have a few short years and I'm just not trying to spend it on the couch. I'm trying to maximize this this uh, my life. I heard one guy put it this way, again, with a belief in God saying, you know, someday when I stand before God, I don't want him to introduce me to the person I could have been and mm-hmm. say, hey, glad you're here. But here's who you could have been. Here was the, all that potential that was sitting on the table. And so I think – and, and when we start talking about big ideas like this they could kind of get weighty or kind of overwhelming. I think that's kind of good. We should have a little, little, a little nudge to say, what are we doing with every breath that's a gift? What are we doing with every day? And so I don't even really – I don't even know the full vision that we have, but I just am seeing – I'm trying to be faithful with what's in my hand and meaning what we have today, a lot of what we're doing is reacting. I mean, this whole thing's all new, you know what I mean? Reacting to social, reacting to this, reacting to the team that's here now, involving them and saying, I'm not building this by myself. I'm not that smart. I need a lot of smart people around me. Heather, what do you think? Mel, what do you think? What are we building? Where's it going? And so it's this drive to maximize my potential for sure. And I think it's then secondly driven by, Literally, this sounds like okay, deep thoughts, but I think that reasons come before results. The deeper your reasons, the stronger your results. A lot of people, in fact, that's your whole framework. Like, what is the bigger mission you're fighting for? What is the mission, the vision that you're fighting for? If there's no fight, there's probably no vision. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I look at the world right now, people are in pain, man. It's confusing times, financially too much, you know, uh, tra- challenging times. The middle class, is getting crushed in in America, like it's becoming harder to to, to live because cost of living is going up. Massive disruption with uh, just general economically, but you've got Uber disrupting taxis and you've got Airbnb d- disrupting hotels and Netflix disrupting entertainment. And I think Dish just released the reports. Massive unsubscribes. People are cutting the cord on on cable, which I'm in the entertainment industry, kind of right. So you're paying attention. So I feel because i and i we didn't even go into my story maybe some other day uh, uh with my wife having chronic illness and that being a big thing for us around 2009 she almost died mm. and youtube and making this happen was partly was majorly fueled by i got to figure i i didn't want to work from home just so i could like drink pina coladas on a ferrari i was like no i want now with with my health with health and with this like I want to be able to provide for my wife, work my own terms, medical bills, travel if we need to, handle this. And we there's so much fear in that time. And, and, and it was just drive. Like, I got to level up as a leader, provide for my family, figure out a way to do this. I did that first, built a six-figure income from home, paying for our medical bills, for our family. And to be honest, as a small town kid, when I was 21, I thought making six figures was like the grand uh, slam of life. Mm-hmm. And so about 10 years later, when I hit that, I also went through kind of a leadership crisis of like, well, what's the point of life? when you've accomplished your dreams? You know, I, as that was like the pinnacle. I was like, wow. So I had to kind of retool. And there was a shift for me, which John Maxwell calls it this, when you go from ladder climbing, because I was trying to climb the ladder, make the money, build my brand to ladder building, where the true leader now shifts where you're not trying to climb the ladder, you're trying to build ladders for for others. So, Most almost every day right now, I just kind of live live out of gratitude, wanting to give back, and so I want Heather's brand to grow. I want Omar's brand to grow on Think Media. I want our students and our customers and our community to discover this life changing thing called online video. And in the various forms of, of of ways to make money with it and ways to build your business with it. And, and I would just want to serve that purpose to realize that in times when you might be dealing with health challenges or you just might be in a job you hate, that this revolution is so real that there is a genuine call and conviction in me to say we got to get this message out. And I really believe that you can serve people unselfishly and profit in the process we we certainly are as we're building a healthy business and then i think about legacy and family and our kids kids and we don't have kids right now but there's a lot of other things but i think it does really come back to for me there's there's so many days when it would be real easy to just eat ben and jerry's and watch netflix and give in and be underneath the weight of all you got to summon courage summon a vision and fight and i and i'm hoping to help people do that and to be honest i know i'm taking this i hate to hijack the podcast but like um i have i also have a vision that in my 30s i realized that the one thing that would build my brand was I know video, it just, that was by, by luck or God's blessing, whatever, that I got into video in 2003, I got a head start on it, that that was the door opener, but I love that we're on this podcast because my biggest passion is leadership and personal development and business development. And I was like, well, if my gift will make a way for me, I need, let me actually build a business around this thing video and let me actually see if I can build a real business because I don't wanna be one of those gurus who's teaching on business development, but that's never done it. So then I was, that's the vision I have for my life, at least now, was that in my 30s, I'll be this YouTube guy or whatever, and, and that that makes sense. We'll serve a ton of people doing that. I'm 35, so maybe we'll do that five more years. Business development and personal development is already bleeding into what we're doing, but then it's kind of like in my 40s when I look up to like a Tony Robbins or a Brenna Burchard or some of these people, Shalene Johnson, that that I have made such an impact on my life that I want to write books and do things like them. But I think I'm I'm trying to be macro patient and just think mm-hmm. like one season at a time. If I'm going to teach if have has my body been physically transformed that I could encourage others to do that has my business just broke records and hit things. And if it hasn't, then life's a journey, man. Maybe I'll do that in my fifties or sixties. Like maybe it'll take longer. Maybe I'll uh, just kind of having vision for your future. But anyways, that was a long answer to uh, that driving force, which is definitely, I think my potential, the time we're living in uh, of need in the world and, uh, and things like my family as well.
0: Yeah. 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 When you have something you're passionate about and something that you can look down the road at, it's definitely going to keep you going, you know, now for you, you're working at home. You're, you know, you have a career in YouTube. I mean, all of the videos that you put together. How do you find time for your family, or when those things in life come up, like health issues or the unforeseen things that happen? Um, you could easily be working all the time, mm-hmm. for sure. So, what are you doing to really just practice self care and have that balance in your life?
1: Yeah, I think. Um, number one, uh, I did hear a guy who who gets kind of crucified in the media as the anti-self-care guy and his name's Gary Vaynerchuk and he's kind of been labeled as the hustle, hustle, hustle guy. But he recently has been popularizing a concept that said, why are we being so critical of people when business is their hobby? Like if business is your hobby, he's like, I don't want to be skiing. I don't want to be watching Netflix. I want to be building a business. Now, psychologists could still maybe debate his life choices. But I think one thing to put in perspective is that I have been working for the last 10 years plus leading up to the last three and a half years of doing this full time to create the very reality that we have built a business around a lifestyle, built a business around my hobby, turn my passion into profit, turn my creativity into a career. So I'm, uh, I'll go into what I actually do, but I do think there's, there's, it's a different dynamic. Like it's, and when you could do with your family, when you could take your wife to Tahoe and create content on the trip it's just it's just a different reality and and I'm incredibly grateful and I recognize that globally people can just be like dude I want to punch you in the face because like I wish I hate my job I hate my boss but so that that's thing number 1 but thing number 2 is is just trying to I think prioritize your schedule and here's a, some big ones for me exercise running's been a big one for me so I'm getting a lot of and as an entrepreneur running is I believe I feel like it's my secret weapon it's like my secret drug that's healthy and free and so because of runner's high, one, because of getting off your phone and being forced to think. When I do long runs over an hour, I'm forced to de-stress, think, process all the different conversations and come up with ideas. Whole like product launches get formulated while I'm running, like like conversations I need to have. And that's also happening cuz you're getting oxygen, you're getting blood, your brain is just fired up and you're mm-hmm. thinking about everything and you're reducing your stress levels. Uh two number two sleep I'm a massive proponent of sleep um I actually really believe that's so funny when people hear some of this stuff. I believe though, as an entrepreneur, there's seasons of sacrifice that that I don't think it's it's as much about not burning the candle at both ends. You just can't burn the candle at both ends forever like and I'm for sure to be where I am today. there were scenes where like i I wasn't getting enough sleep mm-hmm. but once you pass that threshold, I think where the bills are paid, you know, there's no fires, immediate fires, you got to start thinking about the long game in a real major way. Cause this is a marathon and not a sprint. I'm not trying to kill myself in two years. Cause I'm want, trying to be in this game forever. Why not? I don't really actually plan on retiring, whatever it is. You know, I, I hope I'm still like a John Maxwell, vibrant and energized and writing books and speaking and consulting and building a team. And he is in his seventies. It's, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think that running, sleep, um, nutrition is is a foundational one for me. Again, if any entrepreneur leader, that goes back to this whole leading yourself thing. But this, I, I know that nobody wants to hear that. Like, I know that that's like the least unsexy thing to talk about. But like, do what you put in your body: hydration, nutrition, uh, plant heavy, plant plant based, um, often whatever a lot of things i do there and and i'm i'm into the biohacking kind of stuff a little bit so i follow like the dave asprey and the bulletproof coffee kind of stuff i don't really drink that but like i in i'm always into how do i optimize my performance and as i've gotten resource i think about reinvesting that as well because you start thinking about yeah self-care really really matters and then uh the next piece would be would be my wife we don't have kids part of that's been the health journey of it and our season and and so her and I, date nights, uh, time together. Um, you know, we both work from home, which is was hard for one season. We're like, why are you always here? You know, like that's uh, for at least a while, but we've kind of figured that out. And uh, and so time together. And all that to tell you, I still, a few years into business, and I, and I think it's because um, I don't want to take for granted what we have. I love what we do, but I'm still very driven. I mean, I will... A lot of days, if I'm if I do a perfect day, I'll have finished um, my run and I'll have been showered and worked out and have done a whole morning routine based on the book The Miracle Morning by eight a.m. And then by eight a.m. I might grind on just doing whatever throughout the whole day until seven or eight, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then my wife and I will spend a couple hours together and, and, and eat dinner. So to like really put out what's happening and, and that is, you know, 60% of the year. But then I think it's important to note that 40% of the year, this last year, three years into business, we've went really dark as a team over the holidays, really dark, like, like 22 days off or something around the holidays with some stuff set up you know ahead of time and, and starting to have more foresight and we're just catching up more. So anyways, that's a few thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah. So back at the beginning of our of our conversation. Um you talked about being nervous to put your first video out there and really, you know, you're working at the church, at your church and you you knew you wanted to start posting stuff. What is your advice to anybody who's in that situation where they're just nervous to start and to get going? What is your advice to them to, to you know, climb over that hurdle and just get to work?
1: I honestly want to encourage that person to shoot their first video and post it on YouTube in the next 48 hours. Um, I think that you got to just do it, the Nike cliche, but you can grab your smartphone, put it in the vertical landscape mode put it on the selfie camera, hit record and say, Hey, Sean here. I feel really weird doing this, but I'm was listening to a podcast. So I'm starting a YouTube channel. And right now, you know, the thing I'm most passionate is about, um, you know, team conflict. And so this channel is going to be all about resolving conflict from teams and team building and, that's what I've been doing in my career for a while. So I think I'm supposed to tell you to subscribe. I don't really know. I'm just going to end the video here. Okay, bye. And turn it off and upload it. Put a title on it. Put a description on it. Because you got to just start. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You could always delete that video later. You could always make it unlisted. But just like we talked at the beginning of the podcast, walking in for the, into the gym for the first time sucks because you're not wearing the right thing and you sound weird and you're awkward. It's the same thing. But when you show up over and over, and you do the reps over and over, there's so much to learn. It's like you just gotta dive in and taste it. You gotta just dive in. And, and then that's also what I encourage people because for some people, and I respect this, but they'll enter our world and they'll read my book, YouTube Secrets, and they'll watch some free YouTube videos. They might even invest one of our cor- in one of our courses, but a lot of time can pass. And then it's like, have you posted your first video? And they're like, I haven't yet. And for your own sake, It's, it's always, it's never just learning information. It's also never just taking action. It should always be both. We learn by doing, but we shortcut our learning by getting wisdom from other people. And when we're doing it and you post that first video and then you watch my training on whatever, you're like, oh, I did it wrong that time. Mm -hmm, That makes sense. And then it makes it better. And then you post another video and you go, oh, I see what he did now because you're in the game. You're taking action. So I know it's very scary to get over that first hurdle. Here's a few alternatives. Shoot that first video, upload it to YouTube, go through the whole process, don't make it public. Like you still though need to create a propensity and lean into action, MIA, massive, imperfect action, just taking action. I like to tell people you need to get your first 30 to 100, sounds extreme, 30 to 100 YouTube videos posted before you've even started. Right. And those can still... Have a big impact. Use your season in obscurity to prepare you for popularity. Meaning those first 30 videos, they can add value to your tribe, your company, your team, the people watching. But you start doing some more, now you're giving some call to actions. Guess what? You're selling books or people are signing up for your consulting services or they're bringing you in. Like a lot of good can happen, but it's all. it's like you just have to get those repetitions, volume of outputs underneath your belt. Um, to 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 get the results again. Michael Jordan didn't just shoot one free throw, and then it was like, okay, well, we're good with that now. But it was the repetition of just shooting over and over, and then having coaches working on his form, and having coaches give him feedback, or other players. That speaks to being surrounded with the community, or just having a network or a friend, and so taking massive action, but then being int- intentional to skill up in whatever areas you feel like you need to grow in with resources.
0: Yeah, and it's just part of your story. Like you now share that first video mm-hmm. and it's a reminder of how far you've come as well.
1: Yeah, You know, to put in the words. And, work. That's, <laughs> and when I started... I post that first video and then I just posted weird videos when I first got my droid phone when we visited Las Vegas and so we didn't live here. And then I posted a cooking video and then a review of the amazing Spider-Man years ago. And I was all over the place. I didn't have vision. I didn't have clarity. I didn't have the business acumen or vision I have today. But all of those reps, all those uploads were all just a little bit more education. And I'm sure everybody listening – Everyone listening's probably worked on some sort of a skill. You grew up playing the clarinet, the guitar, and you just know that repetition is the father of learning mm-hmm. by just, just going through it over and over again. The first time you played that song or you did that thing, it wasn't that great. But once you polished it and you work through it, and it's so easy for social media for us to think, well, I'm not that yet. How do I just, what's, where's the magic pill to just become that? And that was nobody's journey. Everybody started at zero. Everyone started, even they maybe had some natural talent. Nevertheless, their early stuff was still, still not that great. And I think about, you know, there's an artist named G Easy, hip hop, pretty popular, kind of mainstream hip hop. And, and he, has been touring for years, selling out stadiums, just common to sell out show after show, stadium after stadium, and had a couple billboard topping charts and songs and albums. But there was a decade before he ever got famous, a decade of mixtapes that barely anyone listened to, a decade of him handing out those mixtapes at at events. My friend Brock Johnson went to a G-Eazy concert that had 70 people in it or something. Yeah. Like before he blew up and saw him, so you realize, okay, well, that's actually just kind of true for everybody. That overnight success takes 10 years mm-hmm. like or however long it takes Or 10,000
0: hours, or right? Or 10,000 hours, yeah.
1: however long. You got to just put in that time and you put in those reps. And then the other thing was I dug up some of those old G-Eazy songs and they're, they're not that good. Like he wasn't ready yet. Like, I mean, they were all right, but they weren't ready to take over the billboard charts. And so I think having a level of self-awareness, one of the things that people do is we're counting ourselves out. We're just saying I'm not good enough. Well, that's not true. You just need to put in the work. And don't put anyone else on a pedestal. Just maybe hopefully hearing a podcast like this, you go, oh, wow. Then you have to actually sell yourself on am I willing to put in that kind of work. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I could climb to the top of Everest. Yeah, absolutely. I think we could. We're not ready now. Nope. I'm not in shape. I don't know the breathing. I actually don't know anything about, I don't know how to use the tools. I don't know how to use the ropes or the carabiners, but we could do it, couldn't we, if we set our minds to it?
0: Absolutely, set a goal and work one step at a time. And we might be able
1: to do it in a year, but also there might be some setbacks and maybe some fear and maybe some bad weather. And some circumstances, and it might take us five years to get to the summit. We might try once and might not make it all the way. But then in year eight, we get there. It's kind of similar. It's like, that's why having that clear vision of what summit do you want to reach? And then just making a commitment to the journey. I think being having a level of urgency, but then also patience and grace for the journey, because it really doesn't matter how long it takes you if you're making forward progress and how worth it. Is that, is it that, that, would it be worth it? You have to sell yourself on that. Would it be worth it if it took you 20 years to get there? But would you still want to go? If If that's the case, then prepare your mind for battle, mount up and just go after that target.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sean, thanks so much for coming in today. This thank has been awesome.
1: Thank you. This has been uh, one of my favorite podcasts. It's been cool to be able to go deep like this in person. Yes. Um, Like this.
0: Yes. Thanks again. To follow Sean's journey, and watch the tips he shares, you can find Think Media on YouTube or visit SeanCannell.com. If you haven't done so yet, one small action that makes a huge difference for our show is to leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. This helps people find us. And to learn how Leadership Excursion Company can help you get your team working effectively as leaders, communicators, and overall accountable team members, visit leadershipexcursion.co to schedule a free consultation. I'm your host, Cree Edholm. Thanks as always for tuning in, and I'll see you on the next episode.